Hello, everybody. Welcome to Between the Scares, a podcast that takes a look at every Bloomhouse Productions film. I am your host, Jason Soto, and I'm joined by... Lisa Leahy. How are you, Jason? I'm doing good. How are you, Lisa? Hanging in. I'm out of school now, so I am in nice. vacation mode. Nice. I'm actually on vacation as we record this, so that's that's two, that's the thing we have in common at the moment. Oh, it's delightful. It is awesome. It is very awesome. And it's probably really more awesome for you because you got to work like nine months straight. Well, I mean, and again, of course, that's the thing. People must go, oh, she's a teacher. Yep, she's a teacher. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where I love when people like, oh, must be nice. My response to them is usually one. Well, you could be a teacher. We have a shortage right now. And they all go, oh, and it's like, Um, secondly, <laughs> you know, I'm in a building where we're not air conditioned, so for oh. me to go around would be brutal. Uh. Um, secondly, and every year is a bit of a thing, but this year especially, holy hell. Um, oh, yeah. Know, be kind to people who work in restaurants, people yes. who work with the public, yes. and educators, because this was a year. Preach. Preach, sister. Preach. <laughs> I work in retail, so yes, preach. <laughs> and and I was an essential employee during these trying times. People so. <laughs> need their technology, Jason. They need it. Oh, they fucking needed it during this trying times. Oh, Holy God. shit. Every time we would get webcams in, we'd sell out of them. And then some doofus comes in like, well, why don't you keep any webcams in stock? Because there's a fucking pandemic and everyone's doing online shit. What the fuck you want me to do? Hold one special just for you? God damn. Obviously. What's wrong with you? Poor customer service. <sighs> yeah. Zero out of ten. Get out of my face. <laughs> uh, so we're both on vacation. Um and uh so i wanted to do another episode of the show i've been having i've been having a blast doing this with you lisa i've been enjoying this Me um, too. i can't wait till we get to the quote-unquote good movies oh my god <laughs> i was just saying that to my husband i'm like oh my god there's only one more and then i actually get something good then we get something entertaining at least although to be fair the well, next one might be good i just don't know what it is yeah so, where's like, the I list look at the title and i go all right sure yeah, um, let me look at my at list I here. I know we're heading more into my realm. <laughs> uh, graduation. Okay. Oof. All right. Well, until then, let's talk about this movie today. Uh, we are going to take a look at the 2006 film called The Darwin Awards. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look at the trailer. Um, and here we go. By the time I finish the sentence, about seven people around the world will make a huge mistake. For instance, Trip Hansen was showing off his new penthouse office. A glass, four ply, bulletproof. Bullshit. They call them the Darwin Awards. Each year they give an award for the person who died in the most what are you doing? idiotic way. Walking the talk. Holy shit! Everybody's gotta have a hobby. For me, it was the Darwin Awards. I'm going to pair you with a claims investigator. And she specializes in um, unusual cases. I'd say it was actually more of an obsession. Call to Papi. I just couldn't help trying to imagine what type of person it would take to meet such strange fates. He's fetching! Drop it! Max, drop it! Go Ever get the feeling there's a whole other world out there? What, like Europe? As soon as you hear the ignition, start filming. You can go faster, baby. Oh, as fast as you can. Come on. If I'm going to find a way to prevent these deaths, I have to know why they do it. You are so obsessed with these Darwin cases that you are actually becoming one. Oh, Darwin Awards. You're not going to get in trouble. We're not going to be in trouble. We're going to be on TV. Okay, so that was the trailer for the Darwin Awards. Uh, They leave out a couple of very important things off of that (laughs) trailer. Uh, 
one, this is a pseudo mockumentary. <laughs> they don't really mention that in the trailer until you get to the movie, and then it it's it's setting itself up like like the fucking like Blair Witch Project meets like this is Spinal Tap or some shit. Um, I don't even know if I would agree with that so much. It's more of like a movie about a guy who's being documented. Because it's not found footage. It's, it's just not found footage, like you're right. It, but it, it's it's more of a mockumentary style. You know, yeah, like they're making a documentary about this guy. Uh, and then they don't talk about the random people that show up in this movie. <laughs> Oh my god, like this crazy list of, this oh is, my god, it's so-and-so, oh my is, god, it's so-and-so. This is a crazy-ass, like, like just random list of cameos. Like, I just feel like this guy, Finn Taylor, who wrote and directed it, is just pals with all of these people. He's gotta like, be, right? Like, I'm making this movie, would you appear in it? And everybody's like, yeah, cool. For like two minutes. Like, yeah. Because everyone that we're gonna mention, except for the, the you know, uh, so it mainly stars Joseph Fiennes. Uh, who the only thing I I knew about him was he played Michael Jackson in a very terrible made-for-TV movie about Dude. Michael Jackson. Shakespeare in Love. Hello. I've not seen Shakespeare in Love, so I can't. Okay, first of all, you should because it's actually a good movie. Okay. Um, but he's he's been in a hell. He plays the commander I'm, in uh, Handmaid's Tale. I've not seen Handmaid's. See, you're saying stuff. Okay. So let me look. Let me look at Joseph Fine's IMDb here. He was in. He uh, was in. Elizabeth. Um, he was never in seen America that. Horror Story one season. Which he was in season? Cause Asylum. I could not finish Asylum. But you started it. I started it. You're yeah. missing out. He's he's better than you. You saw him in this one Michael Jackson thing. Do you even know what I'm talking about, though? Do you know what? what? Did you see, do you even know what I'm talking about? The Michael I Jackson thing. Remember it happening. They made this made-for-TV movie, and it was about this road trip Michael Jackson went on with Elizabeth Taylor, and they made a movie about it, and they casted Joseph Fiennes to be Michael Jackson, which that should just tell you the problems this movie had right there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like think, like think about that for a second. Joseph Fiennes, who's very much a white guy. Yes. Is playing Michael Jackson, who, you know, despite what you want to say, was a black guy, even though he had the condition which, you know, made his skin white, but he was still a black guy. But they casted a white guy to play a black guy who just happened to have a skin condition that made him skin white. So, problems galore right there. Oh, God. If you look at this on IMDb, first of all, it says they unaired, they did not air the episode. Yeah, because it was problems! <laughs> Just the, oh my god, the makeup? Yes! It is terrible. This is insult. This is just wrong. It was, it was terrible. there's wrong that's funny, and then there's just flat out wrong. This is wrong. Yeah. No, dude, seriously, it it was, it was terrible. Yeah, I'm looking at his other IMDb stuff. I have not seen anything else he was in. Yeah, you've missed out. If this is, your nose, this is, if your nose, your, if your, uh, well, you're killing that Michael Chess. I know why you said that. I do know why you said that. No, that's seriously the only thing I know him from was that terrible made-for-TV thing. <laughs> and then now this. This is the only two things I know J- Joseph Fiennes about. And I know his brother. His brother's uh, Rafe Fiennes. Yeah. I've seen a bunch of his stuff, so you know I'm not totally out of the loop. But no, no I'm not. I can't say I'm a big Joseph Fiennes fan. That was hard to say. That's okay. Um... So it stars him. He's the main guy. He's teamed up with uh, Winona Ryder, who's the main, you know, woman. Who, of course, because it's 2006, ends up being the love interest. Um, it's so bad. That whole situation is god awful. And then after that, just a random who's who of people just show up in the movie for like five minutes at a time. And we'll get to everyone who's who's in it. Uh, but I did want to ask, uh, Lisa, before this movie, were you aware of the actual Darwin Awards? Like, what that was? The things themselves, the fact that there is a... Yes, I've, I've been aware of that there was a website. I knew that it's also kind of in the, the zeitgeist of pop culture where yes. you would talk about, like, you're a contender for a Darwin Award yes. with that. Yes, it is something I was peripherally aware of. So, okay, like, how would you explain it? How would you explain what the Darwin Awards is? So, the premise is simply that... So, the way it's explained in the film, 
Um, but the, the way I understood it is the idea of, you know, this is the way you would look at a story of somebody who died in a completely absurd, idiotic <laughs> kind of way. Yes. Um, my local news, there used to be a newscaster who every now and then would do the stupid criminal. Oh, catch, yes. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, what is the word I want? Um, uh, oh, God. Why can't, words are hard. Um, segment. Segment. That's the word. Like the stupid <laughs> criminal segment where it would okay. be something dumb that somebody did and thought they could get away with. So the okay. Darwin Awards is the same idea. Like, but it was always accidental. Like somebody died saying, hey, wouldn't it be cool if <laughs> this is a yes. And the idea is that Darwin, Charles Darwin with, um, you know, evolution and the origin of species and, um, Basically, the idea is these people die and it's cleaning up the gene pool. Like, if you're not around, we're all collectively going to be a lot smarter. Yes, that is that is essentially what it is. Absolutely. And the movie does explain this. It does explain what that is. And uh, in in this movie, uh, Joseph Fiennes, uh, he plays Michael Burroughs. He is a guy who's basically Monk. If you've seen that show Monk. Um, mm-hmm. or Psych, the other USA <laughs> detective show. Um, he's basically like Monk. He's a, he was a, he was a cop for San Francisco, and he has like a very over analytical mind where he can like look at a crime scene and then figure out like, okay, the killer had like size thirteen shoes. He wore blue pants. He had a hat. Uh, he's from Boston. Like he just knows all the stuff while looking he's at the a crime scene. Child. He's a second child. Yeah, he's obsessed with second child. Yes, and he, he and he's like over analyzes everything, and he can like pinpoint stuff. And so he starts off the movie as a cop, and these Darwin Award things is kind of just like a hobby of his. Like he just becomes kind of obsessed with how people who get quote unquote get the awards, how they died, and you know what made them do what they did. But it doesn't go where you think it would. Like, you no. hear that and you think, oh, well, clearly something about these Darwin Awards makes him lose his job. No, he loses his job for a completely other reason. Yeah. So we explained at the beginning this this is a mockumentary of sorts. And there's this camera crew that's following. No, it's a camera guy. Well, camera guy. You're right. It's just one guy <laughs> um, who, like, doing a whole movie, his voice was sounding familiar and I didn't place it until he popped up. And then I was like, oh, it's him oh i I don't want to root i don't oh yeah okay okay yeah wilmer 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 valderrama yeah because 2006 and so um (laughs) and so uh he's just following this guy around for a art film well not art film like a student 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 art film, film like a documentary and then like but that's like the like the flimsiest like reason to do this. I don't even know why they went this angle outside of. It doesn't hold any for rationale. like like two scenes. Like I felt like it was only in there for two scenes that come up later in the movie to yeah, to explain seems away. Like this is a way that Taylor wanted to <clears throat> solve plot holes. Yeah, like you know the scene in the desert and then the scene at the end. I think those were like right. the only two reasons why. They, they inserted this guy into the movie. I agree. And uh, so he's following this guy around, and uh, they're looking for a serial killer who's running loose in San Francisco. And the thing about Michael here is he faints at the sight of blood. Yes. Which, if you think you have that problem, maybe you shouldn't be a cop. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> or be a homicide detective, maybe. I mean- Come on. Like, I mean, it just, it, that already is far-fetched. It sounds like the premise <clears throat> for some sitcom on TV. It does. Like, oh, I got something new for a buddy cop show. So listen, here's how it's going to be. We got this guy. He's like really <clears throat> good at profiling, but and he's a homicide detective and he helps out, but he faints at the sight of blood. And you got the guy sitting back in the chair like, uh, uh, <laughs> right? uh it's so dumb. It is, yeah, and it's, and that is also just used as a plot device as well, um, because so, like I said, he's scared of blood, and so eventually he does come across the serial killer um, at a bookstore, and when he realizes it's him because he has the again the analytical mind, he knows it's the killer. He tries to arrest him, and now keep in mind this is happening while the camera guy is filming him and doing and, nothing. 
and he yells at the camera guy, "Hey, we need I need you to call the police." And the camera guy is like, "No, I I I have to just be an observer. I can't I can't <laughs> interfere uh with this whatsoever." And so it's like, "Come on, man. <laughs> Come on." And so um so because of this, you know, uh, Michael's trying to do this himself, try to arrest the guy and uh the 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 killer knows figures out because of a book he was reading Michael was reading that he faints at the sight of blood so when he gets a nosebleed he you know by of course Michael faints and then the killer gets away and this is how he loses his job at the as a cop because he let the serial killer go away because mm-hmm, which because which you know yeah yeah that would probably be a, a reason to get fired <laughs> get fired um and then I, I loved. The part immediately after this, when they're at his apartment, and they have the the newspapers with the exposition, like, mm-hmm. next to each other with, like, the empty pizza boxes, and then it just leads to, to Michael laying in the, on the floor all depressed, and a part of me knows that this was probably the camera guy setting this up. <laughs> <laughs> like he, like he went into his apartment and set all this up, and then the guy just laid there, and then like this was the camera guy, like, oh, this is artsy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like I just feel like that was what happened. So he's depressed, and so he realizes he can then get a job as a, oh, it was like a, it's an insurance uh, investigator. An insurance investigator. Thank you. I was, I was the words I was trying to think of. And he goes to the insurance company, tells them, you know, hey, I got this ability, I can do this, I can tell you, you know, until he tells the guy, you know, hey, I know you're having an affair, you're wearing black underwear, you yeah, got to like give... The, the ultimate in, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a mind reader slash I can read people, is tell me what kind of underwear I'm wearing. Yes, exactly. And so he does that, he convinces the insurance guy, okay, you can do this if you can solve these cases in four weeks, and I'm going to pair you up with Monona Ryder. Mm-hmm. Who is like the like like if this was She's like a... the one who investigates all of the weird ones. <clears throat> she does the yeah. real uh what is the way he calls it? Unusual cases. Yeah. Yeah. And so her character, she's like this kinda like gruff, doesn't give a shit, you know, just wants to do her job her way and she doesn't want anyone to get in her way and very like in your face and brash about everything, I guess is the best way to put it. Getting it done. And her name was Siri, by the way. So if if you have an if you have an iPhone while watching this, your phone probably went off a bunch. That's true. <laughs> but this movie predates Siri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By a couple of years, right? Yeah. Which I found to be interesting. I that was is like, interesting. Oh, okay, because but also, you hear it and the first thing you go is, oh, all right. <clears throat> but no, it's like five or six years before. And uh, Siri came out for Apple. And if I remember correctly, Siri is also Tom Cruise's and Katie Holmes' daughter's name. You do not remember correctly. It's close. It's Surrey. S U R. Ah, okay. So, yeah, all right. I was close, though. You were close. very close. I was close. You have to give me that. Come on. I was I close. I absolutely give you that. Okay, so that's the premise of the movie. So that that's the setup. That's the setup of the movie. Is we and got... if you're still with us, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we got this guy who's very observant, very analytical. He's teamed up with uh, Winona Ryder, who's an insurance uh, investigator. And they're going to look at these wild claims that people are making on their insurance and then from this on it just becomes like a series of like sketches featuring people who die or get hurt in really wacky ways that's right then that's basically the movie setup it's not what it what this this setup changes part way through yeah it seems that taylor forgot what he wrote in the beginning of the script well i mean more or less that's what happens and then there's you know he shoves a plot like a plot an arcing plot with you know, Michael and Siri here um, with, you know, them trying to, like, get along with each other because, you know, they're both opposite ends of the spectrum. And, uh, you know, she's like, oh, he's too uptight. And then he's like, oh, she's too loose of a cannon. And, you know, so it's just them mixed in with all these cases with all these random ass people who show up. So Right. But did you notice there was a point where, you know, like we know from the beginning that, okay, I'm going to pair you with this, this chick who, well, not chick, forgive me, with this investigator <laughs> who specializes in unusual cases. But there's a point toward the end where she starts questioning um, 
you know, why are we going, what are we going to Nevada for? Why do we keep looking at these uh, crazy cases? It's like, well, because your job is to investigate the weird cases. Yeah, I never understood like, why she kept questioning him. It was did weird. Did somebody just not edit properly or what? Like, yeah. what are you doing here? So that pissed me off because I was like, all right, at the very least, you would think Winona Ryder would show up in a film that at least had a clue, but it seemed like she was phoning this one in from the beginning. Yeah, well, well, I mean, so here's the thing about this movie. Like, it's a very strange movie because it feels like it should be a B movie, but it has, like, a budget and it's got actual, like, stars in it. And, like, not even, like, washed up because it's 2006. This is, like, at the height of some of these people's, like, popularity. Or Mm -hmm. some of them, or, or in some cases, they're just starting out. Like, Ty Burrell. Like right. he he was an actor, you know. He showed up in some movies prior to this, but he didn't get big until that show, Modern Family. Yeah, which is also filmed as a kind of mockumentary. That's true. Um, and so yeah, so some of the cases, like starting with Ty Burrell here, he uh, his whole thing was he had his arm jammed into a vending machine. Uh, trying to get a uh, a soda that was lo- actually so they made it sound like he was being a cheapskate, but he actually paid for the soda, but it got stuck, mm-hmm. and so he was trying to reach up for it, and then his arm got stuck. He ended up being stuck in this building for like eight hours until he his like arm got infected or <laughs> something. Yeah, that was weird. It was like all of a sudden he was, I think it was like the, I don't know, I couldn't figure out what it was. It looks like he's got that horrible, like, you know, the veins are turning Like it was gangrene or something, but it was just stuck in the vending machine. But then he eventually gets it pulled out, but then the machine falls on him, which kills him. And so this qualified him for the Darwin Awards because he he killed himself with a vending machine falling Mm -hmm. on him. Um, Which actually kind of goes against the whole point. Because, although, no, this doesn't Darwin Awards. This is how he comes to find her. Because she's investigating the claim. Because the claim is that the legs on the vending machine were faulty. And yeah. therefore his family would have a right to sue. Yeah. And as opposed to the warning that's on the vending machine that says, if you tamper with this criminally, we are but, not liable. But. Um, so this wasn't Darwin. This was how they came together as partners. But it does come up later, though, when these two guys in a bar are talking about the Darwin Awards. They talk about this guy with the vending machine. That's true. So I think it did get submitted to the Darwin Awards. Um, But Darwin is like they die of their own stupidity. I guess it's stupid. Well, this kind of was this was kind of his own stupidity. Like he should have just let the soda go and not even try to (laughs) reach it. Like, would you do that, Lisa? Would if you put coins into a soda machine and then it didn't come out? Would you stick your arm up in there? I have lost many a a dollar or so. Yes, the other thing, two thousand six. This thing is seventy five cents for this soda. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So right, so any smart normal person like you and I won't do this, but this guy is like, no, I'm gonna reach in for this damn thing. So right, so no, he did this on his own. So this is his fault. He died. Okay, so this is how they team up. Yeah, and then like I said, from this point forward, it's just them investigating all these insurance claims about accidents or whatever. The next one involves Chris Penn, R.I.P. Chris Penn, mm. um, who's uh, claiming his uh, truck. Uh, was stolen, mm-hmm. and uh, so of course uh, Joseph finds he uh, he and Winona go to the lake where supposedly it got stolen, and they they find that um, uh, that it actually got sunk into the frozen lake uh, after Chris Penn and his buddy went uh, well first duck hunting. And then they decide to go ice fishing, but they can't cut a hole in the lake. So they use dynamite to blow a hole in the lake. And when they threw the dynamite, their dog went and grabbed the dynamite and started chasing them with the dynamite until he went underneath the truck. And then the truck not only blew up, but blew a hole in the lake and caused the truck to sink. P.S. The trailer suggests that the dog dies as a result of this. The dog does not die. No. 
I remember sitting there watching this going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then just watching the trailer, That's... I was like, oh, thank you. Like, because it, the dog smartens up, drops the, 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 the dynamite and takes off. And then off. he runs away, yeah. And then they also kind of set it up in the movie like he did that because they're talking about the dog wasn't at the house. Oh well, the dog but but off, no no so yeah I was gonna say but then then it, then it goes into the the scene and the dog does run off so mm-hmm. probably just the dog just ran away that's yeah. he did not get because killed ladies and gentlemen he didn't get killed so the dog is fine so um, that's important that is <laughs> yeah uh, that is very important yes so that that's 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 one claim um, and then it um, and then uh, we get to David Arquette. <laughs> Um, yeah, David Arquette shows up along with uh, Juliette Lewis. Juliette Lewis plays his wife, and David Arquette uh, is this like kind of hickish guy in a like a what is this like? You th- this was the not the Nevada, yeah, this was Nevada, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like a gas station guy attendant, and um. We get like he this has some nice qualities this guy like you kind of feel for him a bit because he feels like and he's again in the trailer with that stupid line i was like really you guys thought that was the funniest line it was like oh have you ever thought that there's more to life or more out oh. there and the guy goes what you mean europe, europe? <laughs> um, i mean okay but the he he's so the other thing is like he's married to juliette lewis yes um and so it's like the two of them kind of have this small life and they run this gas station and it seems that he wishes he could do more for her. And it's yes. kind of like, all right, see, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. Then he gets it in his head that, you know, he's he seems to be obsessed with fast cars and this idea of like old 50s uh, experiments were like rocket cars. Mm hmm. So he decides that, you know, he's going to go to this army surplus place run by the Mythbusters. Hello. Oh, yeah. Well, no, let's not gloss over that. <laughs> <laughs> because this was the moment that I messaged you when I was like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> it was just a standard movie at this point. It was just, okay, there's Joseph Fiennes, there's Manon Ryder, David Arquette, Julia Lewis, like, you know, Chris Penn. All right, that all makes sense. But then the fucking Mythbusters show up, has these, like, militant, like, militia guys who suddenly hate the government, and they're selling, like, military-grade weapons to David Arquette and and his friend, and, like, I was like, wait, because at first I didn't know it was them, like, it took me a minute, and then I'm, like, looking, and I'm like, why does that guy with the goatee look familiar, and I'm staring and then my brain keeps wanting to say it's the Mythbusters. The Mythbusters, like, no, it can't be the Mythbusters because they're not actors. They're not actors. They don't show up in movies. But then Adam Savage then started talking, and I'm like, holy fuck, that is Adam Savage. Like, what the fuck? Why is the Mythbusters in this goddamn movie? Well, <laughs> so fun fact, you look up the IMDb trivia, and it turns out the very first Mythbusters episode was on this very premise. Oh yeah, you're right. So you are I right. Guess that you know. So I, I'm I'm not a Mythbusters watcher. I'm not anti, but I'm not like I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I haven't. Well, I've seen a couple episodes. Okay. So you look it up, and they. they They've been around for a couple of years before the movie. Yeah. So the guy must have been like, oh, here's a cool one. Let's see if these guys would be in the movie for this. And I think, all right, I can give you some credit for that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. One of two really cool, call it mind-blowing cameos in this film. Yeah, this is is the first one. There's another one coming up that... Floored me. Went, There's no way that's real. Thank you. Yes, me too. Okay, we'll get to that. So Mythbusters, are in this movie, they sell David Arquette this like rocket propulsion thing that you know David Arquette ends up tying to the back of his car, his shitty car, I might add. Yep. Um, and he wants to be like the world's fastest man. I guess. I guess that's what his whole thing is. He wants to be on TV. He wants to be on TV, and he wants to have this this piece of shit car go like nine thousand miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And so he sets up this thing on like this abandoned, not abandoned exactly, but this empty highway stretch of road. And he tells his friend uh, to like, "Hey, I want you to record this. This is gonna be awesome. We're gonna get on TV by doing this." And so David Arquette 
then blasts the rocket car and he ends up going faster than he ever thought he would go <laughs> and the the voiceover the, the joseph fine's voiceover is like he ends up going like he said like 900 miles an hour and mm-hmm. the car wasn't built for that so the windshield starts cracking things start peeling off the car and he can't hit the brake he can't do the parking brake he's going way too fast and the tires are like melting into the road and all this like crazy shit's happening and then he ends up flying <laughs> well, because he veers off, he almost hits a family. Yes, kind of the side of the road, and he veers off at the last second to avoid them. And in doing that, the momentum plus the the way the road is set up, it actually launches him. Mm-hmm. And yes. his his momentum sends him careening into a mountain. Into a mountain. <laughs> and then the mom and the family is Nora Dunn. Just thought I'd mention that. Yes. <laughs> um. Because we're talking about the cameos. We try to mention all the cameos. The The insurance guy was Kevin Dunn, if you know who that is. He's a comedian actor guy. Mm-hmm. He shows up in a bunch of movies. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know if they're related. Is Kevin Dunn and Norn Dunn related? That would I be interesting. don't know. I will look that up while you continue talking. Um, okay, while you're looking that up. Uh, so, th- so, they're investigating this whole rocket thing. And... Uh, um, and they re- they, they talk to the, the guy and Nora Dunn who saw the rocket go and they're just talking to him and, and Nora Dunn's like manipulating the conversation by like, mm-hmm. like, yo, it was green or it flew by and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and the guy, by the way, the guy is played by David Arquette's like brother or uh, father. Wait, well, first of all, it's her brother, Kevin Dunn. Ah, um, Okay. And I'm seeing so it's Richmond Arquette. That that's that's the guy yeah. in the car. I don't know, probably brother. I'd imagine. I imagine, yeah, just probably brother. Um, and so, uh, so there's that case. So yeah, so like I said, this movie just goes from like case to case for uh, yeah, for we don't a while have to go here. All of them. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> I do want to... people the pain of watching I do want to... So that's basically the point of the movie is there's different cases. Um, a couple, I do have a couple of favorites if I can... Uh, the... I think you got to talk about Metallica. That's where I'm about to go to. Go the Metallica to. one, which, okay, most movies, like, you know, kind of like in this level of, of, of movie... Uh, they'll mention a band. You know, they'll be like Steely Dan. We're gonna go see Steely Dan. We're gonna go see the Eagles. We're gonna do whatever, right? They don't actually ever show the band that they're going to go see. Here, they're like, "Yeah, we're going to a Metallica concert," and then they show Metallica on stage. <laughs> and then I was watching this with uh, my fiance Felicia, and she's like, "That can't be like, you know, that has to just be like, you know, second rate." footage that someone else shot and they just inserted this footage into the movie like you know this is obviously you know they didn't get metallica for this movie so like okay fair enough so they're going through the thing like the, the whole story with these guys just re- i'll go really quickly is these two guys one of them is judah friedlander yep who in case you don't know he was the hat wearing glasses guy from 30 rock and he's, he's also a stand-up glasses guy in most things but he's also a stand-up comedian. I, I know him from other things, but that's his main thing he's known for. Mm-hmm. And um, him and his buddy, they're trying to go see Metallica. They don't get tickets, so they're trying to sneak in. So he climbs over this fence. There ends up being like a 90-foot cliff. I mean, I've never seen such a thing. Like, over here we've got, like, uh, uh, the Tweeter Center, which used to be called Great Woods. So yeah. part of the, the Rhode Island thing is, you know, what something used to be. So it used to be Great Woods, and that's what we all still call it. But that's exactly it. It's like, oh, it's like Great Woods. And then you look at the other side of this fence, and good God. It's a cliff. It's a fucking cliff. You've ever seen. So Joder Freelander falls over the cliff. He falls down. He ends up hurting his leg. The other guy comes up with a brilliant idea to throw a rope over, tie the other end to the van, and then pull the guy up. Uh, the guy in the van ends up dropping his joint. And he pushes gas instead of reverse, and he drives through the fence, and then he plummets his van onto Judah Freelander, and he dies. So, but while that's happening, we didn't get a shot of Metallica reacting to this. Yes. And then I'm they like, wait, after wait, crash. did they actually get Metallica to act in this movie? They did. And then later in the movie, yes, they're actors in this goddamn movie because they show up and talk to the. To the guy in the van who only got, like, a leg broken or something. <laughs> and they're acting in the movie. Like, ugh. 
Okay. They show up and they're commenting on it. And, like, they actually play a song in honor of our dearly departed friend. It's like, oh, please. And then I got to talk about the blowjob scene. (laughs) And then we can move on. We can move on. Because... (laughs) Uh, sorry, I'm a guy. I gotta talk about this. I'm sorry. I'm do. sorry you teamed up with the perverted guy, Lisa. I'm very sorry. It's totally okay. <laughs> Go for it. I, it'll be really quick. So we focus on this British couple. <laughs> I wasn't making a pun there. I was gonna say is there a pun there. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't mean to make that. So we focus on a British couple, but the woman is played by Juliana Margulies, who last I checked wasn't oh, I British. Didn't recognize her. Yeah, that was Juliana Margulies. Um. And the guy who I recognize the name is T- Tom Hollander. He, Tom and Ho- oh he shows up in stuff. I, I know. is in Mindhunter. He's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And everybody else is yelling at me because he's also in Hamilton. Um, because he's, he's also a very talented Broadway actor. Okay. Um, but I don't give two hoots about hamilton uh there it is i said it i haven't watched it whoa. i don't want to watch it i don't care whoa but whoa, he's, whoa. Hunter. he's very good okay well regardless he's in this as so well that's where you know him from he's the he's the other british he's the british guy Juliana margley is the british lady they are for some reason they're really fancy british people but they're buying an rv in america well, and they don't ex- go, they don't go roughing it they don't <laughs> explain well I, okay i didn't need to explain it but if I, they didn't explain it and so she learns about the concept of autopilot while on a plane. And so when she gets the RV, she asks about the cruise control. And the guy's like, oh, it's like autopilot. So now you can see where everything's going here. So she's driving the RV. He's in the bag drinking. She puts the thing on cruise control and then decides out of the blue to give the guy a blowjob. <laughs> um and well, then, the whole thing is on the plane, the pilot comes out, and she's like, who's flying the plane? And he says, autopilot. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. And so then when she's being taught how to drive the RV, she yeah. looks at cruise control, and they say, oh, it's kind of like autopilot. Right. And so it sets it up. It's, like, clear as day where this is going. Yeah, exactly. And so while that's happening, there's a guy in a dentist's office <laughs> getting his oh. teeth looked at. And then because of the cruise control, the RV goes off the road and crashes into the dentist's office. And then the next we see everybody, we see Tom Hollander with, like, a bandage around his groin. We see <laughs> Juliana Margulies with, like, the the neck brace thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the dentist just has, like, a broken arm or something. And then the, the guy in the dentist chair, like, his whole head was, like, covered with... Hell. Yeah, so... I was going to talk about that because that scene was funny and it featured, like, two celebrities who you never would expect to be in this goddamn movie. Um, so another person who shows up is Robin Tunney, who, I, you know, might not sound familiar, but she played Deb in Empire Records. She was also in The Craft. And The Craft, yeah. Um, in we fact, got... the, uh, wearing a wig in The Craft because she shaved, she her, shaved head her head in Empire, Empire Record. Yes, indeed. So she shows up in the movie. I'm just trying to get through all the stars now just so we can wrap this up here. Uh, so, yeah, she shows up. Um, so she's in there, and then who else? Who else? Yeah, Let's just run it off because we don't want to ruin every death in the movie. Well, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to get – yeah, we're about to wrap up here. Well, how much time have we got? Yeah, we can wrap up, I well, guess. Well, there's still some stuff to – I mean, I do want to address the fact that they forced this – Love interest. The love in- yeah. We can and go back to that. Yeah. Absolutely atrocious. Now, I'm not somebody who's like, my romances need to be XYZ. I mean, these are just, it's pandering. Like, don't even bother because, like, of course they eventually hook up. Mm-hmm. And of course she's eventually, like, she leaves him there. Like, he wakes up, she's not there. Mm-hmm. And he goes to the restaurant and she's like, oh, you thought that meant something? So then he decides to profile her. And of course, as a result of her getting up and walking away from him it's because she's got daddy issues are mm-hmm. you kidding um <laughs> give me a fucking break like this movie just goes <laughs> in places and it's like okay i mean feminism whatever i'm you know i'm the kind of person where yes women deserve equal access to things but to just water down a character to something as stupid as that is just insulting to everybody involved um and then you <laughs> I actually wrote down I'm like this pseudo romance is terrible it's so forced it's so do- it almost seems like you know like he previewed this movie and some producer looked at it and went you know what would be really good we need these two to get together it's like oh yeah 
Yeah, I mean, also it's 2006, you know, like, you know, movies uh. were still in that, you know, f- you know, formula, you know, formaic area where, you know, it was like, you know, of course there's a guy, there's a girl, they're going to start off hating each other and right. then they're going to eventually learn to deal with each other and then they 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 get together or either they just have sex or they start dating or whatever happens. Yep. So it was talk, it was inevitable. I want to take a moment and I want to speak to Finn Taylor directly. <laughs> okay. Finn, I'm sure he's listening. listening. I'm sure he is. You know, you, you you had a plan with this film and you have your characters and you do your thing and I'm sure these people are friends of yours and whatever and great. But Finn, I got to ask you, how did Billy Joel hurt you? Oh, yes. How? The music. He hates Billy Joel. It's so funny. Because Billy Joel music is used in two different ways as like this jab of almost like, you know, soft rock music or whatever. I mean, was Michael McDonald not available? Um, <laughs> you know, so like, the, and it's so weird. He he has a moment where they're driving and he's talking about soft music helps relieve stress. Yes. And it's the Billy Joel song, Vienna. Yes. And then later on, he's listening to The Stranger. It's just like, what? What made you pick these songs? What made you put them in these moments? It is just like yeah. he has apparently I some was... sort of beef with Billy Joel. And <laughs> the Metallica scenes, they're playing actual Metallica songs. So it was like most of the budget had to have gone to the music right. Oh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, let's talk for a minute because Metallica is the group that went after Napster. Yes. And shut Napster down. So yes. you know this guy paid to get Metallica in or, alone use their music. Or that was the deal to get them in the movie. Or the vice versa. It was like, hey, you could do some acting if we can let if we can use like three of your songs. Yep. And I guess they were like, it's 2006, we're, we're in that some kind of monster phase where we're like hating each, each other, we're going through therapy because we can't stand each other, we made a really terrible album, <laughs> we're at our lowest point, sure, we'll be in your terrible Darwin Awards movie. <laughs> oh my god, it's just, it, it, you just look and you go, oh. I wonder, I want, I've not seen some kind of monster. I wonder if this comes up because this has to, this was around that era. So this had to have been in there, but I want, I, I, God, I hope so. Somebody tell me, somebody email me and tell me if, if they've seen some kind of monster by Metallica and if they talk about being in this movie, cause I gotta know. Oh God, I can't, <clears throat> I, I, I wouldn't. Maybe that's why that was so bad. <laughs> this up. Um, um, so to wrap up the, the main well, plot. Yes. Just wrap up the main plot that we can do our final thoughts and stuff. Um, we have to get to this other cameo, Jason. We have to, and I and it, I didn't mean Metallica, so this is going to be the English teacher coming up. Oh, Lauren, oh, Getty, the writer. Okay, I have zero idea who this guy is, so Dude. I'll let you. I will let you. Hang on, I'll let you do that. <laughs> Give me one second. Let okay. me do this. Let me do this really quick. Let me just wrap up the arc, the quote unquote arc we got. And then I'm gonna have my moment. Yes, absolutely. Okay, here's here's the arc. Here's the ending arc. So throughout the whole movie, in between these cases, he's still trying to solve, or not trying to solve. He knows who the killer is, he but he's it. trying to figure out where he's at, like where he lives, where can he go catch this guy? And so he eventually figures out he's a he's a he's 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 into beat poetry. He he uh, he likes books and, and he likes through, poetry specific and he's through, in San Francisco in San Francisco with yes the beat, with the beat poet moment and he yes. goes to the city lights bookstore <laughs> see this is all stuff this is all okay. relevant to what all right I, I'm I'm getting there. okay we'll skip this section for now because this involves what you want to talk about but he <laughs> because of this part he figures out where the killer lives and this is where we get the reveal of Wilmer Valderrama has the camera guy who by the way they kept calling numb nuts through the whole movie which oh, actually kind of made me that. laugh which made me laugh um just because I'm a juvenile asshole and um this camera guy was like the worthless character in the fucking whole movie um but then he reveals himself as Wilmer Valderrama like not as himself but that's who he's playing he's playing the, the camera guy and they they do this thing where they they tie ropes to each other from the roof and then they like scale down the building to record the killer's uh apartment and 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 they realize that they're both on the same rope, so there's like kind of a balancing act happening here. I'm not a physicist; don't don't quote me on this. Yeah, and so, well, they've got it looped around this giant stone planter. Yes. 
And so they're slowly falling off the, you know, off the building. And so Winona Ryder runs up to go try to stop the planter. The killer eventually reveals, hey, I know you guys are here. It goes after her. Uh, and then through, again, physics, he causes Wilmer Valderrama to, like, fall while he rises. He grabs the killer guy, drags him down to the ground. And then the killer was like, I wanted to die. Why did you save me? And then the, the planter then falls onto the dude. That's mm-hmm. basically how they stop the killer. And then, of course, like we said, uh, uh, Michael and Siri hook up and the movie just ends there that's the end of the movie that's how that arc wraps up well yeah that arc and then the guy goes into an ambulance with the emt oh the camera guy yeah and he's gonna now follow the EMT. Oh, the camera the kid yes absolutely who uh, he was familiar too yes <laughs> um you are funny with this okay well tell me if, if you let, know no, i'm gonna let you sit there and think about it well, I'm looking at the IMDb, so... Oh, well, go. you're going to cheat. So it's Josh Charles, who is... Um, he was actually in uh, The Good Wife with okay. Juliana Margulies, a very <laughs> okay. popular TV show. Okay. Um, he's shown up in all kinds of things. I can't see him on here. Where the hell is he? Dead Poets Society. Okay. Oh, my God. Why am I not seeing him? <laughs> oh boy! Um, oh, there he, he is. Was, um, he was actually a character. So this is me and my randomness. He was on In Treatment, um, HBO show, which is amazing. What? Um, he Drunk History, Law and Order, uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Smith, uh, Inside Amy Schumer, Masters of Oh, that's sort of sex. Never mind. Um, so you really don't you? He's he's a that guy to you. Yeah, like he just looks familiar. Sports night. I I couldn't get, I could never get into sports night. It was not my cup of tea. Okay. I just I couldn't get into that show. That's fine. So he's um, he's, he's another character. Actually. Don't tell he's mom the babysitter's dead. I seen that one. Oh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, who who did he play in that one? He was one of the main. Oh yes. The yes. 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 Okay. Yes. I know who this guy is. Okay. All right, we got it. We got it. Got one. <sighs> All right, let's like go Janine ahead. And, and I feel like Janine and Ghostbusters. <laughs> We've got one! All right, let's go ahead and talk about your moment. Let's talk about this writer guy. Dude. Go ahead. So, English, I'm not even a big poetry person, but shame on me as an English teacher if I don't know who Ferlinghetti is. You are not an English teacher, so it's okay not to know this. So, okay. fair. the way that Burroughs figures out, Burroughs, by the way, uh, there is also a poet named William S. Burroughs. So, ah, yes. Again, heavy handed. Um, so the killer is – he figures out the killer is into poetry because everything that he does, all of these deaths, is related to poetry in some way. Like the locations um, all connect to the poets. So he has the uh, – D.B. Sweeney, by the way, of the Cutting Edge fame um, as the detective who thinks that our main character is an idiot, as he is. And <laughs> he has him look up based on the shoe size and also find out who was a literature major because this guy knows his, his poetry. Mm-hmm. So yada yada, we'll get to the end of this thing. So he looks at the documentarian's footage and sees in his pocket a book and he can see the letters H and O. Now he's in San Francisco. It must be Howl by Ginsburg. So mm. now he goes, okay, this guy's a beat poet fanatic. Let's go. So he goes to the City Lights bookstore owned by Ferlinghetti, and they ask, oh, is he here? And they go, no, and they say, oh, yeah, of course not. And then they go, I think he's just having a drink down the road, and I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) And so they're sitting, having a drink with Lawrence Ferlinghetti, and I'm like, is this is this actually him? Did they get a lookalike <laughs> to play him? No, it's actually him. Lawrence Ferlinghetti is in this movie playing himself about a guy who talked to him because the po- the poet serial killer wanted to get work published and he went to Ferlinghetti about it. I'm like, this is madness. I wrote down Lawrence Ferlinghetti, fucking Lawrence Ferlinghetti is in this goddamn movie. That's what I wrote down. I'm like, this is insanity. Because it's not a major movie. And then I'm just like, how how does this guy get this to happen? Because you would need permission to film at City Lights Bookstore. So Mm -hmm. I'm just baffled. 
by the thing. And I can't find any trivia or backstory to any of this, but the fact that the man is in the movie is staggering to me. I just, I have no words. Uh, for for a moment, for a, a, a rare moment, I don't I don't know what to say about this because this is of all the cameos, Lawrence Ferlinghetti is in this friggin' movie like one of the poets, and the guy is reciting Ferlinghetti to them later. I'm like, all right, just okay, sure. So this this guy, this Finn Taylor, he probably was a literature slash film major in school, was probably oh, yeah. very influenced by the Beats. Mm-hmm. And wanted to somehow bring together all of his loves together. I wonder if the man himself also faints at the sight of blood. <laughs> I actually had a student like this. Oh. Because it's an actual thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it is. not just like afraid of blood. It's authentically when you see it, your brain just can't handle it, shuts off. Right. Um, and very sweet student. But unfortunately, I show Apocalypse Now in my class. And the poor <laughs> was like, nope, this is not going to happen. And I said, no problem. We'll talk to you later. Um, so it's an actual thing. But, you know, this student went into, you know, restaurant management and party planning. She does not work for the police. No, yeah. Because she is an intelligent individual. Good, <laughs> like yes. That's a good idea. That is probably a good idea. So I think we're okay. going to wrap it up and talk final thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah, we're done. Thing. So I, I only I, – I didn't want to, like, talk – during the final thoughts here about because this is a podcast about Jason Bloom and Bloomhouse Productions, um, we're still in his early on career where I guess he hasn't really figured himself out yet. Because mm-hmm. so far we covered a romantic, depressing drama and a weird art film about class and uh, poor people, mm-hmm. and now we got a wacky comedy featuring. A slew of celebrity cameos. And this thing is listed <clears throat> as adventure before comedy. Fair. IMD calls it adventure Adventure comedy. comedy. Like, give yeah. me a break. So, like, in the terms of, like, a guy trying to figure himself out in his career, like, I just feel like Jason Bloom was just, like, throwing everything at the wall and seeing what stuck at this point in his career. Like, do you, you get that feeling? Like, he doesn't know what he wants to do yet. He's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll, produce, a, I'll produce a drama. Yeah, I'll produce this weird stage play about classism. Yeah, we'll do this weird comedy that about people who kill themselves in dumb ways. And then, like, and this next movie that we're going to do, which, I again, I know nothing about. I'm about to bring up the trailer for the ending here. Um, but... Um, <laughs> like you know, like how, like what are your thoughts really quickly? Then we'll thoughts about the movie. Uh, like, you, are, do you feel like he hasn't felt found himself yet, or is he just like, yeah, I need to, I need to get out there. I need to get my name out there. So yes, I, I'm gonna agree to that. I think that's the deal with the first two. I feel like this film was people pulling favors for a friend. Um, I get the impression that all of these people kind of got together get there and were like, you know, hey, my pal wants to make this movie. I've got a day. I can appear in a scene or two. And, you know, Jason Bloom is the third name on the producer list. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's somebody who is just like, yeah, I got a couple of bucks. I'll throw it your way. Let's help. You know, I need to get something under my belt, too. Maybe I can scratch your back. You scratch mine. Um, I just I don't feel like anything about this film is a passion project for anyone except the director. Okay. Who got to meet Lawrence Ferlinghetti. <laughs> Frankly, cuz that would be my big catch, my big catch on this. Yes. I I I, I agree. I, I I I do agree. Yeah. I I I really think this this might have been a favor actually. This might have been Jason Bloom might have known this guy. Mhm. And this, this this Finn Taylor guy was like, "Hey, I, I I need someone to produce my movie, and you got a production studio. I think you can help." I and he's like, "Think it is like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll throw in like five hundred bucks for the Metallica scene or something. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that might have been what was happening." Um, so okay, final thoughts in this movie. Is it weird that I kind of liked it? <laughs> no, it's not weird. I mean, it's it's a fun fluff kind of film. Yeah. Like, I think if it was a bunch of nobodies in this film, I think we would feel a lot less uh, sentimental toward it. I think we would have a lot worse things to say. I think what saves it is how many 
uh, actors and actresses and characters are in this thing. I'm sorry, I have a cat who insists on my attention right now, oh. so forgive me if you can hear all that. You're fine. Um, I think I think we would hate it if it didn't have these people in it. Okay. Okay, I I think you're right. Actually, yeah. Um, I find it charming in how stupid it is, <laughs> and it it's 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 a surreal experience watching it because like it fe- it has to like I I spent like almost eleven twelve years of my life covering nothing but B movies like bad mm-hmm. movies horror movies directly you know low budget direct to dvd films i've done that for 12 years Mm -hmm. this has the feel of that but then it was like okay we're gonna then give this to they don't do it i'm just giving an example but we're gonna give it to warner brothers and get this like executive produced by like steven spielberg and then we're gonna like gloss it up and then we're gonna throw in a bunch of celebrities but it's still got the feel of a low-budget B-movie that should have went direct to video. Well, see, that's what I think is interesting here, because the timing of this film really did it no service. This is post-Blockbuster, where this definitely would have been a single new release, Mm -hmm. and pre-Netflix streaming. Yes. Yes, you're right. You're right. You are... That is the feeling this has. Yes, that you nailed it. Absolutely. This goes nowhere. Absolutely, but I kind of enjoyed it in that, in that, in that, and I'm not just saying that because I ended up having to buy the DVD, (laughs) 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 and I actually have spent money on it. Um, By the way, quick rant, very quick rant. Um, I had to buy the movie. Lisa was lucky enough to get it from the library. My library didn't have a copy of it, so I had to buy it from Amazon. And I've bought DVDs before from Amazon from, like, users, and I always end up getting, like, a Region 2 DVD from, like, England. So I was very careful this time, and I made sure I bought it from someone in America. So I got this I got this from someone in North Carolina, and when it arrived, it was a fucking Region 2 DVD, and I don't understand that. Now, thankfully, my computer... It can play region free discs it could play anything so i was able to watch it still but i don't get how some company in north carolina is selling dvds from fucking england i don't understand that makes zero sense oh my quick God. quick rant i just had to get that out there so i enjoyed it lisa how, you were kind of iffy about it it sounds I'm like iffy on it. so where I, what i want to ask you is where does this rank with the previous two films oh, God. that we looked at. Oh, God, are we doing that? Okay, well, if we're doing that... Well, we can't do that going <laughs> forward because it's going to become too much of a mess, but we're still early <clears throat> enough on... We're still early on. Um, I, This is definitely the best of the two <laughs> for me. Like, because the, the first movie, the Griffin and Phoenix one, depressed the fuck out of me yep. and made me sad, and I had to watch a bunch of comedy videos afterwards to make myself feel better. The second movie just made my brain hurt and I had to rely on you to, like, smarten everything up because you're a smart person and you know how to analyze stuff like this. And I'm this dumbass horror guy who just wants to see heads get decapitated. So I had to lean on you for that. So this was more my cup of tea with the dumb comedy and random shit happening and... Hey, there's Chris Penn and Juliette Lewis and David Arquette and fucking Juliana Margulies with a f- bad British accent. And... I gotta go back and see that again, that scene. I have to now go back and look because I didn't recognize her. I didn't think it was her either until they said it. And then I'm like, oh shit, that is her. Because she's got this terrible British accent and she's wearing these big sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And like it didn't look like her. But then like they show at the end the credits and they show the the scene each person was in and it says juliana margulies and i was like oh shit that is her wow it's crazy. um so if we're doing that this is like top for me this is number one i okay. i would rather watch this than the other two any day and then i'm gonna put griffin and phoenix second and then that fever movie last because if i can go the rest of my life with never seeing that again that'd be too soon <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I think so. My thing, and I'm gonna rank it based on what would I, if I had to, sit and watch again, because I don't want to see any of them again. But, 
and not necessarily because they're bad. Like there are movies out there that are really good that you just yeah. I don't need to see that again. I've seen okay. it. Okay, that's that's fair. I guess you're right. Um, you're right. You know, like Mother. Mother is a brilliant film, and I'm mm. still pissed that it has an F, um, like cinema score, because I think that people are just being too harsh. But Darren Aronofsky is pretentious, and that's a conversation for another day. But sure, um, I don't need to watch that movie ever again. With these, I I think, and I oh, I oh, I'm such an English teacher. I am. I'm gonna put fever at the top. Um, what? <laughs> simply because. All right, though, all right. All right. All right. All right. I see right. what it was doing, and it's like okay, but I don't want to watch it again, and I certainly would never tell anybody to watch it. And then I'm gonna see. I'm putting this one last. I'm gonna put Griffin and Phoenix number two, because if I had to watch something again. I see no reason to watch Darwin Awards again. If I wanted mm. to get something out of Fever, maybe giving it a second look, I might find something else to it. There might be something more there that I missed the first time around. And Griffin and Phoenix was at least kind of endearing. Mm -hmm. um, as sad as it was, it wasn't as schmaltzy as it could have been. Like, it could have been really <clears throat> bad as, like, a romantic comedy. And it had some realism to it. So it's kind of like, all right, I think I can deal with this. I mean, again, not a great movie, but if I had to choose between that one and this one, it's going to be Griffin and Phoenix for me. Okay. Uh, that's perfect. All right. I, I will, I will, I will agree to that. But you don't have to agree to it because it's your opinion. So you're welcome. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to argue it, I guess that's fine. I, I, yeah. I, I, I like your assessment of it. So that's that I, I, I will. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So it's interesting. I like this because it makes the discussions more more. Dynamic. I agree. I agree. Yes, and I only bought you on because a you're cool to talk to, b you like horror movies, yeah, and c you're cool to talk to. So thank you. <laughs> so, but now I have the added bonus of you're pretty goddamn smart. So <laughs> I I'm I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Teacher, and I can talk all day about why the curse. And I'm 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 glad that I, I picked a smart person to be my co-host on this. Aww. So. so. So thank you for thank you for doing this. Okay, we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, before we go, let's go ahead and tease the next episode here. Uh, I'm gonna play the trailer. So Lisa, if you want to look away, yep. here's a trailer for the next movie. Turning the volume down. So Jackson, why should we care about fungi at all? Without it, we wouldn't have penicillin. A beer. On the eve of graduation. So when do I jump? Oh shit. I'm sorry, but there's nothing the bank can do. Anything can happen. It's not my money to give. We're gonna rob my dad's bank. I know how it works. With my dad at graduation, the place is gonna be running on a skeleton crew. We can be in and out in 10 minutes. There's gonna be 200,000 in there, at least. So we're just gonna walk in and take the money, just like that. All we need are my dad's keys. Hey, you guys, when did I become the voice of reason here? If we get caught, you're not gonna go to Harvard, and we're all gonna go to jail. Hey, would you just untwist your panties before your balls fall off? What were you doing at Jackson's house? We had hot sex on his desk. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it the way you've been looking at him. I don't get you. I don't really get me either. Let's try to figure out the tellers in the garden. I can take care of one of the tellers. Who would have thought corporate could be so hot? You are 18, okay? I am 19. You guys stay as far away from me as possible. Carl, okay. You just kissed me. Yeah. You want me to do it again? <laughs> Never rob a bank without hairspray. Three, zero, nine, four. How many possibilities can there be? 24. What? From the producers of Pleasantville and the Virgin Suicides. So robbery is now a democratic thing, is that it? You're staying home! And we do things a little different in Forge Hills. We do them my way. Drop the pizzas and step away. It is my pleasure to introduce our valedictorian. Welcome to the big day. For another day. Graduation. Okay, so that will be the next episode of Between the Scares. So until then, I'm Jason Soto. I'm Lisa Leahy. 
and we'll catch you next time. Copyright 2021 Rabbit Hole Podcast. Rabbit Hole Podcast.com.